Yo, 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 what's up everybody? So today is Tuesday, it's about 6.30 in the morning, uh, September the 22nd, 2020. Um, and I'm out here with a new episode. I'm going to uh, divide this episode up into two parts. The first and foremost is a little COVID updates. Um, it's still going... And you know, you're getting flare-ups, but they're gonna try to get this vaccine out. I don't know. I think there's gonna be mad resistance to this vaccine, and because we're such an anti-vaccine country already, coronavirus is not gonna go away overnight like we thought. Next year is fucked. I mean, it's just fucked. With that being said. Before we dab, we get too negative into shit. I want to talk about the Raiders, the Las Vegas Raiders home opener in Las Vegas against the New Orleans Saints, and their thirty-four to twenty-four victory. And I've had a chance to, I watched the whole game. Uh, I streamed it on my phone, as is the case now. Uh, and you know what? Visually. The stadium is amazing. You know, now that we've got to see... I like the black seats. I like... I really... To me, what I was really looking for was the little... The little um, cut sequences that ESPN usually has and NFL usually has when during the game. And it's like when they go to commercial break, like, oh, you know... Here's a sh- glimpse of the Bellagio. And they showed the Bellagio. And they showed... You know the Luxor, and they showed it, and and you know what? It, now the Vegas, Las Vegas Raiders, they look grand. Whereas before, San Francisco 49ers had the Golden Gate Bridge. They had the trolleys. They had a lot of historic, good-looking things, good food in San Francisco area. Oakland was more regular relegated to Oakland and not that it's any knock to Oakland but it's just it's a night and day difference just like I thought it was going to be the overhead views of the stadium and the strip in the background and the the way the building looked at night you know black with the white trim you know just like the Raider colors the Luxor Mandalay Bay um you know and it just looked really the Raiders looked really nice like this was our uh, this was a presentation this was our um a projector this was I can't wait for the years and the years to go by and it shows the glimpses of the good food it shows the glimpses of the people having fun down in the in the at the link and you know doing the hang gliding and the big ferris wheel they got and I, and I can't wait for them to show inside the little Raider cubby bars and and you know for for the Raiders to build really build on it over the next 20, 30, 40, 50 years that they call it home uh, I can't really I really can't you know for us to get more prime time games and to show us glimpses of of the strip and how much fun people are having and, and the food and the amazing clubs and amazing pools and, and, and all of that stuff that comes along with them showcasing the town and the the area you play and it's just it's a breath of fresh it's really a breath of fresh air for the for the Vegas Raiders and it's much needed And, and I and I was completely blown away just just at the backdrop that Mark Davis was able to put in in the NFL was able to put the Raiders Stadium within spitting range of the strip in downtown Las Vegas and it's not the case with the Los Angeles Chargers in the Rams Stadium it's nowhere near downtown LA um just it's so much it's everything I thought it would be you know and then in the inside, the the visuals in the inside of the stadium look amazing. And the just outside of it, the over like I said, the overhead views of it lit up at night. I love that the you know 
the black windows on it just it, it melts into the night and all you get is a silver trim to me that's fantastic man it's great great vision by not only las vegas and the engineers that went into it and the architects but mark davis and everybody involved in the building of what is now being dubbed as the death star and and i wouldn't even say it's the death star you got to give the og death star to the oakland coliseum this is more the star destroyer you know the force awakens one it's a planetary killer and i think that's really what it's going to be for years the oakland raiders were the oakland raiders had a lot of uh, mystique and motif behind it and they moved to la built in la it built a great la socal resonating and now we've gotten to our third home and the empire is striking back it's just what it is we are you know we are going to take it to the nfl and the afc west i think immediately we shoot to the to the second team in the division uh i know we're tied with the chiefs the Chiefs might actually have the tiebreaker because they have the division win. But I think overall, we shoot from the bottom dwelling fourth place team in the division just overall to at least, if not second place, if not, we may be able to leapfrog it up to first based on how the Chiefs move forward uh, the next couple of years. And I only give the Chiefs a slight edge because they, they're the reigning Super Bowl champs. They got Mahomes, Andy Reid. They got a good team in place for a number of years. But they do not have the stadium. They do not have uh, this breath of fresh air that going forward. They just don't have it. Uh, and they tied Mahomes up for a number of years and they, gave, they broke the bank. And honestly, I'm okay with that for them. Because meanwhile, the Raiders are going to be chipping at the foundation that is the Chiefs. And I think eventually we will be the number one team. I, the Chargers got a new stadium as well. And in, in Denver's got in Mexico Field. But overall... The Raiders have probably the better of the destinations of the three, of all four. So, and I've talked about that in the past, and I don't want to drag on too much about it, but it just, last night, it just cemented for me that this was the right move for the Raiders. It's a breath of fresh air, and it just looks beautiful at night. It looks stunning, you know. The Raiders' new home, it's, you know, a place that I, I call home now as well. You know, it's just what it is. I just, I feel as if, you know, this is, this is, this is the piece of the puzzle that we've been missing that we couldn't get over the hump all them years ago with, you know, getting to the Super Bowl and winning it, uh, the long drought we've had. This was the, this was it. This is the piece, this is the piece that was missing. This is what's going to put the Raiders back on track, back on top, and to dominate the division for a number of years to come. Just like Brady had a 20-year run, I think the Raiders are going to have a 20-year run. Even when Derek Carr and John Gruden are long gone, I think new coaches and new players are going to come in, step in, fill that void, and produce, you know, because the talent and the players are going to want to play there. Now, moving to the game. Uh, we started a little lethargic, I believe. You know, we sputtered out. And honestly, I know Raider Twitter was getting on, getting after Derek Carr. He took a bad sack uh, early on in the game. Uh, a little bit of a bad throw, I think, or two. We ran the ball a couple times. And you know what? I think it's just a lot of nerves there's a lot of pressure i know they were saying that he put a lot of pressure on himself but it's a lot of pressure 
walking into a brand new, you know, half a billion dollar building, commanding 150 some odd million, 160, 70 odd million dollar roster with a hundred million dollar coach with the brand new city and all the hype and Monday night. And to me, those nerves were just present in the very beginning of the game. And I think that goes for all the players. A little bit of jitters, a little bit of coaching jitters. I know because we ran the ball four times. I think John Gruden um, was like, okay, we're going to... I think he sensed that in the team. It's still a young team. You know, Derek Carr is still growing. And I, and I think the jitters went away. We got down 10... 10 uh, And then Derek Carr and Josh Jacobs and Darren Waller and company and Ruggs orchestrated a scoring position. We punched it in for seven. Uh, the Saints responded. It was up 17. And the Saints looked really good at the beginning. I'm not exactly 100% certain um, I, I don't watch the Saints team like I used to. I used to really like the Saints team. I liked what they were doing. I liked, you know, Drew Brees and company. I really liked what their team was up to in those days. But it seems that they've gotten away from that over the years. Um... They relied heavily on Breeze, and I thought their defense kind of took a nap the last several seasons since they won their Super Bowl. The defense has really taken a nap, uh, and they really relied on it. But I really believe that they had a good defense a year or two ago when they were nay close to getting to the Super Bowl. Um, but I don't know what's happened to the Saints again. But their defense was just carved up by the Raiders. Once once we were there, up 10-0, and then Derek Carr really just took over the game. I mean, we outscored them 31. I mean, we went on like a 24 unanswered. No, we went on a 17-point unanswered run. Then we got up another. Then we, we, we beat them. In essentially 34 to 20, uh, 34 to 17 was essentially the score. Uh, and Derek Carr and John Gruden, Darren Waller, and and uh, Josh Jacobs and company just really took it to the Saints, took it to Dennis Allen. Uh, it just, you know, I had to go walk. I had to go back. And I don't have the capability to go back and watch the games. And now are my... But you can really tell that Derek Carr got settled. Uh, the one knock I got on Derek Carr still is he has been unable to connect with Ruggs Deep. Yet. I believe that is going to get... Cra- I know he took a shot or two deep to Ruggs last week at Carolina. And there was an overthrow. And again, he's been overthrowing Ruggs. Uh, I, I believe that deep timing round it will that deep that deep ball will come uh, because it's not going to always be an overthrow um, I think Derek Carr is putting the ball out there he knows how fast Ruggs is I think Ruggs needs to work on Getting sep- getting just a hair bit more separated from the defenders so that way Derek Carr can really air put some air under it. Uh but that deep ball will come. Uh and I know last last night they took a couple of shots deep. By my recollection, about three shots deep. Uh and they're and they're overthrown by what it looks to be about a yard or two, which is just I mean, I know a lot of people look at it and are like, well, Aaron Rodgers does it. Well, so-and-so does it. it, But only so many quarterbacks really have that deep accuracy. And they really, they really, really practice it. Um, Derek Carr did have deep accuracy with 
Crabtree and company a couple years back and and Darius uh, but it's in Amari Cooper but it was different because they're not as speedy as Ruggs Ruggs is just flat out a burner and I think for the Raiders going forward that what they're going to need to do is time that up a little bit better I think the ball's got to come out just a hair quicker and Derek Carr just got to put it in there and then let Ruggs get under it um, but that's just something that's got to that's a wrinkle because Aaron Rod, when Aaron Rodgers does it he's got all day to sit back there Derek Carr's got to get the ball and get it out quicker than Rodgers does the accuracy isn't there and, that, and this is two different styles of throwing it deep you know what I mean Patrick Mahomes runs around a lot getting his receivers wide open as well so, you know, for that ball to come out quick, I mean, it's got it. I mean, that's why it hasn't connected, I believe. But that's just something that they can practice, I think, as the season goes on. They're going to hit those deep shots, and Ruggs going to score a 60, 70, 80-yard touchdown pass uh, uh, soon. You got to remember, there's no preseason. So these first four games essentially are preseason games, and... It's just, you know, give it give it five, six, seven weeks, and those balls are going to connect. I just know that they're going to connect. They're, they're just going to connect. Our defense looks still a little bit lackluster. We're missing a pass rush, but we had an interception. We damn near had a fumble recovery. We, uh, you know, and hold on a second. I'll be right, I'll be right back talk about this Raider defense okay guys so I'm back so we're talking this Raiders defense I said what we needed to do on offense I said we just need to connect a baller a deep baller to the rugs per game in and not just like you know just one just just to keep the defense honest because if we keep missing those incomplete uh the defense isn't going to respect they can just single up rugs and they'll take their chance with car flinging it and it being incomplete. Uh, obviously, you don't want to do that as a defense because sooner or later, even a, a, a high school quarterback is going to hit a throw for deep. And, you know, you just don't want to give up seven points. But until those are getting completed with car and rugs, uh, I think defenses are going to relax on the on the shading of the, on the free safety. And, um, you know probably rush him pass rush him or whatever but outside of that the offense is clicking uh tight end running our running back situation looks phenomenal uh Renfro came up big yesterday but on the flip side we had the ball on offense for damn near 40 minutes and you know that's how Gruden wants to win these games have the defense come out there make a stop or two if needed uh, obviously, you want to lead the defense, but we are sincerely, painfully just, I don't even know if we're middle of the road because we've given up 30, we've given up 54 points within two games. I mean, that's not championship defense. I mean, that's, that's, I don't even know if that's middle of the road defense. That's not a good defense. We gave up 30 to the Panthers and Teddy Bridgewater. We have a 24 to Sean Payne and Breeze. Which is not... Which, if you say... If you can if you can hold Breeze to 24 points... That's a pretty good job. I mean, as long as a mo- that motherfucker doesn't drop 40, 45, 49, 50 on you, you're, you're in the game. If you can tell... If you walk up to any game and you say, You know what? I'm going to hold Tom Brady like the Giants did back in the day. 14 points. We're going to hold the Saints to 17 points. 24 points. 20 points. You would be hard-pressed to find somebody to say, damn, if you can do that, you got a chance to win the game. It's just hard-pressed to say that. Now, our defense wasn't on the field as much. And I know we had a, we we nearly had two turnovers. We had the pick, which I I remember I said last week at Carolina, the, the guy jumped up, and I think it was uh, Morrow. Uh... The ball went through his hands. Bridgewater threw it right down the middle of the field. And he jumped up. And the ball hit him in the hands. And it miraculously fell into the receivers. That was a lucky. That this week 
he got his hands on it and took it back uh, a dozen yards, which I was like, that is phenomenal because that took a whole position. That was a whole momentum changing position away from the Saints uh, just before half. And actually, we went down and tied it with that turnover, which I thought was phenomenal. It was a phenomenal play. Came up in the clutch. Uh, kudos on, on working that ball security and ball handling. You know, Paul Gunther and John Gruden and the defense. And I think it was more. It could be somebody else. I don't know every player's name. I just know that that's what happened. That, that exact same type of play happened in the Carolina game. However, he was, wasn't unable to come down with the pick in the Carolina game. And they actually went down and scored. Uh, he came down with the pick this time. And we got a turnover. And we went down and kicked the field goal. So we scored. And just like that, you could easily say it was a six-point swing. Could be an easily could be a ten-point swing. Uh, but we don't have no pass rush. Uh, Cleveland Farrell is clogging up the middle. And I do believe he's going to eventually turn into something formidable. Uh, I haven't given up on him. What it is, is our D-line is is overall not that good. Um, I I know we got, you know, Max Crosby. Max Crosby is out there and he he does a number of things to disrupt the quarterback, disrupt the run game. And I think we got run stoppers more than we got pass rushers we stop in the run more uh, but we don't have a true and true somebody to fear <coughs> on the D line to where you're like damn that guy commands a double team and he commands your respect to shade a game plan away from him uh, we don't have necessarily anybody like that and that actually puts a lot of pressure on the cornerbacks and the safeties because <clears throat> for a good part of the game yesterday, Breeze was just chucking the ball all over the fucking place. It seemed like everybody was open. Kamara was coming out there. Like, there was nobody to cover nobody. Our guys are chasing people all over the damn yard. Uh, the Saints did rack up yards. They didn't win the game, obviously. Like I said, we kept the ball away from them a good chunk of the time. Um... But it just, to me, like, you know, we drafted a young cornerback, which I'm okay with. And I'm okay with him being pulled from the game slightly if he's getting burned. I'm okay with him being reinserted when we got a lead and, you know, him learning on the job. I'm okay with that. Uh, I'm okay with our linebacking situation. But it just, we don't have a pass rush in... Too many teams, uh, some of these more elite teams like Green Bay. Like, we're gonna, we, if we were to play Green Bay tomorrow, we'd get flat out. Rodgers would put, would hang six, seven, eight touchdowns on us. Russell Wilson and the, the Hawks play us in the same thing. Lamar Jackson and those Raven, uh, the Cats over there, they're dropping, they're dropping bombs on us. That's just what it is. And some of those guys, you know, even Mahomes, I think, to a degree. Uh, Mahomes, I only give a so-so because he's in our division, so we're familiar with how they play. Other teams that don't play them often, like, you know, for instance, they opened up against Houston. Of course, they look really good because Houston don't play them that often. They play them maybe once a year, if not, if that. Um, I just believe that we have a little bit of a, more of an edge versus, let's say, the Dolphins playing the Chiefs or versus Carolina playing the Chiefs because they don't—they just don't see, they just don't know the speed. They just don't know. You know, you can only watch so much on table. When you get down in between the lines, it's a different ball game. Just like on everything, you can see somebody how you know Usain Bolt. The camera is going a million miles an hour. Obviously, he is fast, but you just don't know how fast he is. Until you see him in person and you actually try to run with him, and then it's like, oh shit, this guy is fast. Tyreek Hill is fast. Travis Kelsey's big, you know. These other players, they got just wow, like, you know, they got an offense. Now, 
our defense versus some of those offenses, I think we're going to get... I, I think we'd fight it. You know, we our offense is more than capable to control the ball, control the tempo of the game. But it's still... It just puts so much pressure on your defense. Uh, and it forces your offense to be so perfect. And it's just... It's a really bad situation. So... I believe we can trade for pass rusher. We can also draft a pass rusher next year. I think we're okay offensively. Of course, you want to add another piece or two. You know, we can use another offensive lineman. Um, but our defense needs a little help here. I mean, I know Gruden is an offensive guy, but we need a pass rusher. You know, Khalil Mack is missed. Uh... Maybe he's not pulling his weight in in Chicago, but I would still take him back on the Raiders. I mean, you know, I would take, you know, Donald. I would take Dominican Sue. I would take a number of players. Jadavion Clowney. I would take a number of players uh, on the defense just to help with that project. Just We need somebody so that Max Crosby and Cleveland Farrell and some of these other cats can get a lucky sack and not just a lucky sack but just a sack here and there we need a those are those are momentum changing drive killers as well like we started off Derek Carr took a 14 yard sack that we just never overcome third and 23 you just can't overcome it it's third and a third of the field that you just don't overcome those sort of things uh, offensively so we need that that's basically a turnover uh, we need the pass rush. We also need, I think, uh, we got. I think we got an okay secondary. Um, I we just need a little bit of help on it, and I and I'm riding hard on defense. But I, I think if we add a pass rusher, if we add, you know, a great. Somebody, somebody's got to step up and become great on the team. I know Jonathan Abram looking good. Uh, maybe we're just waiting for Abram to become good. Maybe, maybe somebody becomes disgruntled on another team and opts out and can join the Raiders at a different point. Um, that would get us more on par with some of these better teams. I don't still. I think our team needs another year or two. Before we can start talking about Super Bowl, but I think this year we can we have a chance if we play sound football to make the playoffs, which should be a huge plus for the Las Vegas Raiders um, inaugural inaugural season, and also you know just just. Just something to work with. It, it would suck to move to a new city this year and be zero and ten. You know, it's not an expansion team. We come the great. It would be great to come out and be nine and three, eight and eight and uh, four. You know, ten and ten and four, ten and five, something like that. Ten and six seasons, a winning season. I believe that could be enough to get us in the playoffs. It'd be a phenomenal season. Uh, nine and seven, even is okay. Eleven and five. Uh, but it's it's totally sucks if it's if we start off four and twelve, you know, be uh, six and ten, you know, the wheels fall off like they did last year. Uh, but that's you know, and I think we can we can talk Super Bowl, we can talk deep playoff runs after year two and being in Vegas and draft, and I'd say drafting a defensive pass rush specialist, maybe getting one from somewhere free agencies. Um, and I do believe I do. Be, I just do believe we, we're, you know, we just need a little bit on defense. I need the offense just, a, and it's just a tweak on the offense as well. I just need to connect to rugs a time or two. Overall, overall, we're not a bad team. Obviously, we're two and zero. We played Carolina, which is a decent team, even though they're zero and two. Uh, and we've beaten these Saints, who on paper should have beaten us. On paper. The Saints should have rolled us. Just like all the ESPN analysts have predicted 34 to 10 and all that. Randy Moss bullshit. You know, Booger. Uh, you know, Adam Schefft. You know, 
it's just it's just bulletin board material for me. It's like you know what I'm you know I'm in on the team too. Like I as a fan sit here and when the team goes own four and I'm like shit. Well, we need this wrong or we need to improve on that area. This happened in the game. This this went wrong. It's nobody's fault. Just things go wrong and sometimes it's a tidal wave and sometimes you have to ride it out. Like last year, went on a five game tailspin that pretty much doomed the season. Um. And yeah, you know, just you know, it's just bulletin board. You know, so when we chalk up these wins, I like going back and gloating a little bit. You know, I seen all those ESPN analysts picking the the Saints over the Raiders yesterday. Everybody but Susie. But yeah, so I, you know, as a fan, you know, you you kind of gloat a little bit. You know, I'm glad my team stepped up on Monday Night Football, national TV, and you know, the national TV games. You know, being a part of the Raiders franchise now for most of my life, 20 plus odd years, actively paying attention since high school, you know, it's just these primetime games when they happen, I've seen so many losses, I've been a part of so many blowouts, it's like, damn it, like, sometimes you don't mind a a loss, a close loss if you're just a fan, just as long as you don't get that ass whipped or blown out or... You know, just as just as long as you know it's not you know like a complete shellacking. You just don't want to be. You're okay with you know losing. I, to me, I'm okay losing to a hail mary or a a sixty yard field, even though that's like you like you're in it to the last second. And I'm okay with the bad penalty. Like sometimes you're like, yeah, I'm okay with those. But I'm not okay with is getting. 45, 30, 37, and we're barely at like 10 or 17 points, you know. And I hate those games. Like, that happens to that happens to oh, the Raiders. That had been happening to the Raiders for a long time. Those kind of games, you know, you're just like, oh, you know. But, you know, so, but we came out and we won it in spite of what every analyst, everybody was saying. You know, and we're 2-0, so you got to take that, you know. Shannon Sharp said he undervalued him, you know, and I think a lot of people did. I think a lot of people thought we were just an expansion team moving to Las Vegas, and it's one of these things, like, you know, just that's what it is. But it's not what it is, and... You know, we're off to New England. And just a preview of New England, I got high hopes in us beating them as well. I had a confidence in us. I actually had confidence confidence in us beating New Orleans based on the fact, not that it was going to go down the way it got down, but I, I kind of feel that New Orleans doesn't play well West Coast. They don't play well... San Francisco. I don't believe they play well at the Rams. They don't play well, I don't believe, in Arizona. They just don't play well West Coast. They play well in Dallas. They play well in some other... They play well at home. They play well in their division. They just don't... That's been a long, to me, a long-standing thing that they just don't play well traveling West for whatever reason. I, you can go look up the stats on that and look look that shit up, but I guarantee you they don't travel well west. They travel well east, but west is a different story. Now, a preview of the Patriots. Do I got confidence in the Raiders beating the Patriots? Yes. Am I going to sit here and tell you, I'll bet you this, and I know for a fact, and la da la da la da No. Absolutely 100% not. This is a trap game for both. This is, this actually, this Raiders game versus the Patriots, it's a trap game for both teams. Both teams need to sit down and realize, hey, look, this other team can just up and sneak a victory on us. Uh, you know, the Patriots are Tom Brady this, and I just talked to somebody right now, football, uh, one of my uh, primos about it, you know, and I was telling him, look, the Patriots are the same minus Tom Brady. 
I don't know who they got on receiving core. I don't know who their tight ends are. I don't know who their running backs are. I don't know who's on their defense. But yet, they're 1-1, one and, one, and they just played the on-fire Seahawks, which was a close game for most of it. Uh, so that's it. Belichick still got the Pats still, you know, firing on all cylinders. They just, you know, this is what it is. Gruden's got the offense clicking on all cylinders. Our defense is, like I said, a little subpar-ish. But we could go. We could easily waltz up in there and hang thirty some forty points on them. Like if you think it, we've we've now scored thirty four in two back to back games. That's our average score. It's thirty four points per game. We put thirty four against Carolina. We put thirty four against New Orleans. So you gotta say we're gonna score some points. We're gonna get. I don't know if we're gonna get thirty four. We might get twenty seven. Is that enough to beat the Patriots? Perhaps. Uh, can, is it possible that Bill Belichick and company just simply overlook us? Maybe perhaps like the Saints did? Uh, it's, it's totally possible. We could just come in there and take the ball away from them and just light them up. That's possible for any team. It's any given Sunday. Uh... Is it possible that the Patriots all of a sudden round out that defense and we only score six points? Absolutely, 100%. And Cam Newton just has a field day chucking the ball all over the field and running for four touchdowns, you know, three touchdowns rushing, two in the air? Absolutely. It, to me, that's this is a trap game for both the Raiders and the pa- Patriots. And it's going to come down to who's... The attention to details, and and that's on every game, but this one more in particular because if they if the Patriots even think for a second that you know all they're gonna do is stop Waller and just we're gonna run off, we'll we'll figure. John Gruden, I think in his third year, Derek Carr in his third year is looking phenomenal offensively. This this steady quarterback, the steady coach shit, it now really looks good. Like I said, we're just a, a a deep ball or two away from looking absolutely unstoppable offensively. You connect a deep ball or two, I guarantee you Ruggs demands a double team. That opens up Waller, Renfro, Zay Jones, you know, and, and so on and so forth. Some of these tight ends, the running running backs out the field. It opens so much offensively. It, it's already open because people don't know what Ruggs is capable of. There's not enough tape. Um, but yet this could easily, it could easily be the Patriots overlook us and they think, okay, as long as we stop Roller, Waller and hold Jacobs to so many yards, we're going to win this game. It could easily, Renfro could tear it up. Ruggs could come alive. Um, you know, Jason Wing could, could get two touchdowns. You know, these things, you know, some of our other running backs, uh, Edwards, the other Receiver, um, I can't think of his. It's either Byron or Brian Edwards. Uh, balled out for a good chunk of the game too yesterday. Came up big. It's just a trap game for both teams. I hope. I hope, for my sense as a Raider, I I would love for John Gruden to go and stick a fork in the Patriots. You know, I would really love. You know, as a team, you want to you want to every possession offensive. You want to score a touchdown. So if you get the ball six, you would like six or seven touchdowns. That puts your score at like um, almost 50 points. You know, that's what you would like. Of course, I would like, and I'm, you know, I'm sure a lot of teams would like to, but I, I would really like for the Raiders to go and hang 50 on them. And, and I got a funny feeling this is, uh, I don't know if it's Gruden's first matchup with the Pats. But I, you know, I just don't remember if Gruden's played the Patriots yet. But this is a good chance now that we've rounded this team out a little bit more, a little bit more, we're a little bit more sharper. He would love to take it. I think him personally. I think he's sick of Bill Belichick. I think John Gruden is sick of Bill Belichick. He's fucking sick. I'm fucking sick of him. You can't be associated with the Raider organization and not be sick of the fucking Patriots. Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. Can't, 
I'm absolutely disgusted by those two, by those three uh, motherfuckers. I just sick to my stomach with these fuck with that fucking franchise. And I think Gruden is sick as fuck of it. This shit too. Um, just absolutely sick. I think I think so. I don't think the players are, but me as a fan, I'm sick of it. Gruden's got a long history with the Raiders. He's probably fucking sick of it. He's probably just fucking sick of it. Um, so yeah, I would like for him to go and drop fifty. That, I don't. Is that realistically possible? It, it is actually possible, but is, is it in my game four sites? No. Uh, this is another knuckler game. This could easily be in the mid twenties. This could be a really good game because now I think we're a little bit more level with the Patriots. Obviously, the Patriots are well coached. That's that's to their advantage. But then their offense is a little bit. Eh, the defense can eh. our offense can do something our defenses you know their offense can we probably match up well with the Patriots but uh, do I want to win yes um, I'm like 50-50 on it but that's what you got to look forward to it'll be a good game to watch I'm going to watch it uh, hopefully we don't lay an egg hopefully this isn't like I said this isn't a trap game uh, hopefully we come out and kick ass, you know. So two and zero Raiders, Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, I heard Skip Bayless saying that they're always going to be the Oakland Raiders to him. You know, he knows Al Davis, and I think the Raiders moving from Oakland the second time and abandoning the city. One last, I think these winnings take all of that away, that heartache, the. The East Bay is always going to belong to the Raiders. Just like L.A. belongs to the Raiders. The L.A. does not belong to the Chargers or the Rams. L.A. belongs to the Raiders. Oakland, the East Bay, Walnut Creek, all that, you know. uh, Alameda, Pleasanton, Dublin, Hayward. That belongs to the Raiders. It's the Raiders. It's just just the Raiders' home. It's It's a home. It's another home. You know. Las Vegas is in the future for so many couple of decades. Uh, do I think it's a permanent thing? Maybe, maybe not. Uh, if any team's going to make another move to another area, it would be the Raiders because we've moved a couple times already. Um, and it's just what it is, man. You know, the, the Oakland fans, you know, Stage, stage Door Casino, shout out to them. I've opened up and become the official Raiders bar in town. And I, you know it. As the years go on, the Raiders come into play on Sundays and the teams, other teams come in. The, the Raiders will carve out a niche in their town. And I love, like I said, back to the beginning, I love the overhead views. I would like for them to do tour of the city, you know, because I like Vegas myself. I'm being uh, L.A. raised, SoCal living my whole life, and, and Vegas is always fun. It was just a logical progression of things. I'm glad my Raiders moved there and not the Chargers, not the fucking Rams, not anybody else. If anybody could have moved to Vegas and to fit it so well, I don't think it would have fit with some of these other pretty boy teams, these other cookie-cutter franchises, the Cardinals, the fucking Rams, the Chargers, you know, the Jaguars, where they just just become, they're just the mold of what the NFL wants. The Raiders come in there with their own brand of things, and it actually lines up really well with what Vegas, what people think of Vegas as being this party. There's a lot of alcohol. This, this, this wild. This, you know, and that's kind of how Al Davis built the Raiders in the olden days. It was the Raiders and the and the parties, and you know, we're gonna bring these crazy talent together and win. That's kind of how I feel. Las Vegas is. They brought. All this crazy entertainment together in one place, and they're building—they're trying to build a city to win. You know, hopefully it's the Raiders. But that's it for the Raiders talk. I do want to talk a little bit before I, I piece out this episode and get this one posted up. The expanse a little bit, and and a little bit of what I'm watching, entertainment-wise. You know, Netflix. Uh, the Expanse Season 3, I, I did finish, and now I'm on Season 4. 
Season 3 was phenomenal as well. Um, the war between Mars, Earth, and, you know, and the belt was raging in the beginning of the season. And I gotta say, you know, the climax and the, the whole premise of the Expanse, and I didn't really get the, the Expanse. I thought it was about colonizing. But now the Expanse has now become the Expanse at the end of season three. Just season three, you know, James Holden, captain, the captain, and then, you know, you got uh, Naomi and the other two dudes on, on the Rasenate. They're in the middle of the war. They, you know, the station on Ganymede that they went down to try to find the, the proto-molecule soldier and find out about, you know, everything from the refugees. It's a phenomenal story. There's a lot to dissect in season three. Um, but some of all, Mars and Earth are at war. Uh, they put the president, the secretary, uh, secretary general. I think they, that's his name. It's not actually the president there. But he launches a preemptive strike against Mars, and they are able to fire off one nuke at the Earth. And the casualties are are tremendous. Two million people died in a nuclear attack on Earth. Um, there's a fight raging in space. Uh, the Martian soldier, I think her name is, uh, Dagger or whatever her name is. She plays a big role, you know. I like her story that she's seen what happened on Mar on Ganymede. Her team came under fire. Urs and Mars scrapped it out in space in their ships. I kind of don't like that they didn't show too much of the war going on in space, but they did show a lot of what was happening uh, on, like, the back end of the war. Like, how this war was... The guy... Don't know his name, but he was pulling all the strings. He was the perpetrator of, like, the whole entire war. Him and the and the doctor, uh, Joseph Mao, whatever his name was, Him, he was being directed by the other guy and then the doctor as well. To create the protomolecule weapons, uh, the protomolecule had its own agenda. To me, the protomolecule, uh, I think it still can be used as a weapon, but the protomolecule is not done. Uh, the war rages on for about half the season, but where the season gets really takes a turn. They head to Io with uh, the lady. I can't think of her name either. She's like the third or fourth in command in the in the Earth, the UNN uh, space, their whole organization. She boards the ship to go and try to find the source of the protomolecule. Try to find out what the fuck is going on with Mars and all that trying to prevent this war the war rages place anyways in spite of all her efforts and I said they push it to the brink of total annihilation but she's able to sneak out of that ship that she's on she takes the Martian which they call them the deserter which is a staff sergeant I think it's Dagger or I forget what her name is but whole time homie back on earth had actually developed the protomolecule he's the one behind everything Joseph Mao is behind it you know as well so it's just what it is you know it's like you know like the whole all the strings I like that they showed all of that you know they involved the OPA they involved the belt they involved Earth and Mars playing on each other's fears. This proto molecule is going to be a weapon. That all takes place, like the first couple of episodes, and they show the bickering back and forth. There's a lot of action in season three. Uh, and eventually, to me, where it rounds off really well, the expanse is in the end of season three. 
the proto molecule that the planet Eros that crash landed on Earth becomes a, a sentient being and it, and it uh, awakens and it goes and forms a ring. That is how season three ends with the formation of it looks like a giant arc. It flies out to they say the the to Uranus or Jupiter. It's in orbit over there. And it's this massive ring with what looks to be like black hole-esque um, black hole-esque properties to it like there's no, there's not on the coordinates and all this the, the proto molecule have been building something and they they went down to io and they were experimenting on the kids on kato and kato basically told them like hey look the the proto molecule is building something it's not finished but it's close uh the crew of the Rasanate go down there to save all the children that were stuck on Io because they knew that they were experimenting on them. So jo- Joseph Mao and the doctor, they weren't going to let them continue and they arrest Joseph Mao, but they kill the doctor. Um, the little girl's dad saves, saves her and he ends up Uh, reuniting with his daughter after like she's lost from him the whole season they reunite but they, the guy he's kicking it with ends up blasting the doctor caps him in his, caps him in his head um, you know and, and like I said it, season 3 was really good I'm, I'm short skimming it I didn't really get into too much detail about it but basically Earth and Mars are in a, in a it's actually Earth, Mars, and the belt. And the belt is actually plays a big part of it because the belt has a protomolecule, but Earth and Mars and are fighting a whole war over it. The, the belters also have nukes at their, arsenal, at their arsenal. And the belt is actually slowly becoming its own entity. It's actually... Uh, you know, it's growing, you know. It's, it's gaining on Mars and Earth. It's becoming its own nation with laws and all that. And not being such clan, like a clan. clan the, they, they had a word for it. it was a clan. They had clans. Um, different factions. That's what they, instead of being just different factions, they united under the captain that showed up to help. I think her name is Drumma. And I can't think of the guy's name, but that guy's a well-known actor. He's done he was in the Godzilla movies, he's the, the wartime general. Um, but yeah, you know, it's just Season three was really good. I, I and like I said, I'm currently watching season four. I can't say too much about season four. Other than the fact that uh, Detective Miller comes back uh, a little bit. You know, it's good to see him back for a couple of episodes. But yeah, definitely season three was a good watch, man. And I'm trying to finish off season four here this week. Uh, I'll get back to watching One Piece and Blue Exorcist, and I'll get back to. I'm also watching the uh, Taco Chronicles on Netflix, which. If you haven't watched the Taco Chronicles, man, you need to go watch it because that shit will make you fucking hungry for some fucking tacos. Um, but in other sad news, uh, Netflix discontinued The Dark Crystal, which is a total bummer. Uh, I thought The Dark Crystal was phenomenal, man. I, I like the puppets. I like the story. I liked... The little bit of graphics they used, the, the puppetry they used, the story it had. I, I really like that story. And it sucks that it's not going to be Netflix canceled. Maybe they're going to make them produce it on their own. It just won some awards, you know. You know, that kind of sucks. Um, but definitely, you know, 
the boys is starting to get a little bit better too uh, I watched I'm on like episode 5 or 6 now uh, this coming out weekly thing is kind of yeah, it's kind of dragging things on but um, it seems like the stories get a little bit better I kind of don't like that they I feel like the boys is holding punches compared to first season like first season there was a lot more just straight up killing and you kind of didn't know that Homelander was a dick. Because I didn't. I never read the comics. But it, you kind of knew Homelander was a dick. But you didn't know how big of a dick he was. And this one. He should just be all dick. But he's not. He's kind of caught up in this fucking bullshit. Of his popularity. Which is like. Eh, you know. It's kind of an okay side story. But. Um, it's just kind of. You know. I feel like they're kind of holding punches. He could be a total dick. And a whole, whole fucking serial killer but and they just haven't gotten to that point yet I know he crashed the plane last season but he should already be fucking up like shit this season he's kind of kind of holding his punches um and like I say I'm kind of sad about the dark crystal I'm just you know overall I'm just like <sighs> bummed out about that you know my brother texted me that shit yesterday and I was like fuck man they fucking really did that um but yeah, like I said, uh, the Expanse, Expanse is really good. I think season one was it took me a while to get through it. Season two was phenomenal. Season three picks up where season three left off, answers all your questions in season two, and leaves you a good nugget for season four. Um, I know Wanda WandaVision is coming soon, and so is uh, the Mandalorian on uh, you know on Disney Prime or Disney Plus. And you know what? I watched... I watched The Force Awakens. And I watched The Last Jedi. And I watched The Last Jedi the other day. You know what? The Last Jedi was better than The Force Awakens. And... The Last Jedi, to me, that that movie was hard, bro. Uh, you know, it was just hard. You know, I liked... You know, I haven't watched the last... I think the last Jedi I watched more than once in the theaters. I think I watched it twice. And then I watched... I've not watched it, like, twice outside of theaters. The last Jedi is actually... To me, it's really, really good, man. I, like, as a standalone story, that shit is phenomenal, man. Uh, I got one more to watch before I, you know... Before I conclude my my star saga, but yeah, I mean, I I watched the the Last Jedi the other day. That, that fucking phenomenal, man. Um, but yeah, go Raiders. Let's shoot for three and zero. And I and I'll get I'll get the next one. Will probably be focused completely on the Expanse as I wrap up season four in the Taco Chronicles, maybe. Um, I, I'm trying to chug along with the Blue Exorcist and a couple of other in One Piece. Uh, so I got some things to talk about, you know, here shortly. And you know, you know, it's just what it is, man. You know, I'll uh, I'll get the next episode up. Yeah, I'll get this episode up here shortly, and I'll get the next one, you know, underway as quickly as I can. And you know, maybe it won't be next week Monday, but maybe it'll be late this week or even over the weekend you know uh, obviously I'll talk about this Raider Patriots game you know do my you know what and speaking of the Lakers are 2-0 as well in the Western Conference I think tonight's game 3 uh, the Lakers are 2-0 man you know and that last buzzer beater by Anthony Davis boy oh boy that shit was shades of Kobe Bryant one Kobe Bean Bryant um, you know what? That that game was phenomenal. Man. I watched that game in its entirety. I watched game one. I, I love I love the way we the way we handled the Nugs in game one, and the way we gritted it out in game two just speaks volumes, man. Uh, so go Lake, go Lakers. You know, let's get this. Let's get let's beat the Nuggets and let's get on to either the Heat or the Celtics. And I, I love to win a ring. You know, I'd love to get you know. I watched the Clippers meltdown. That was fantastic to watch. Um, 
but it is what it is, guys. So I'm out with this episode. I get I get another one up here shortly. I get this up here shortly, and I'll catch you guys on the next one. Later's.